ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 3. Go ahead and open up to Colossians chapter 3, all right? Uh, today we are wrapping up our series that we've been in uh, since the very beginning of uh, just a couple, about a month and a half ago, just so, so for a while ago, called Above All Things. And uh, we're wrapping that up uh, today, all right? I don't know what's going on with the screens there, but if you want to just turn them off before they explode, um, you have my permission to do so, all right? So go ahead and open up your Bibles, turn them on to Colossians chapter 3. Hey, uh, like we said earlier, I want to highlight and make you aware that next Sunday is Easter, okay? So what that means is that more people are open to an Easter invite this week, or church invite rather, this week than they are at any other time of the year. And so I just want to challenge our church to really lean into that, honestly. Um, and so uh, I believe that we've already this morning, or we're about to in just a few minutes, we've put out uh, an Easter invite on our Facebook page. You can share that. Uh, you can share that on Instagram, any social media that you're on. We have invite cards out there at the welcome area. You can take those. You can invite people at your school, invite people where you work, invite people and bring them to church next week. All right, bring them to church next week. I challenge you to fill up a row next week. Fill up a section next week if you can. Just bring people, your family, your friends, your relatives, uh, cats, dogs, fish, whatever you can get in the building with a pulse, uh, bring them here uh, next week. All right. Hey, I'm gonna pray, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna need some uh, we're gonna need God's help here today. All right. Trust me, we're gonna need uh, God's help. The projectors are already saying we're struggling, and so uh, but we're gonna need God's help. Trust me uh, when you see the scripture that we're in this morning. All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. God, I pray that right now you would help us. I pray that Jesus, you would speak to us this morning. I pray God that Holy Spirit, you would come and you'd speak to us uh, today, and uh, and. And God, that you would just meet us right where we are, Father. I pray that you just meet us right where we are and help us to understand what you're saying here today, God. Because we are, as we're walking away from this series, Father, I pray that, that God, you would help us to hear from you and to see you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is this, this right here. Uh, if you need any IT work, projectors turned off, let me know. It's a spiritual gift of mine. Right there we go. There we go. By the way... This is happening live today, all right? It's happening live. It's not pre-recorded, all right? Colossians chapter 3. What we've done in this series uh, every single week is, is we've talked about how Jesus is above all things. If you can remember, if you, if you missed some of these sermons, if you need to go back and remind yourself, you can on the app, on the website. What we did in the first week of this series, we talked about how God wants to fill our lives. And if we don't go to God to fill us, we'll just go to something else. And then the following week, after, then the week after that, we, we're in Colossians chapter 1. We, and if you remember, it was talking about how Jesus is before all things. He's in all things. He holds all all things together, and what we said that day is that there's gaps in our lives between where we are and who Jesus is, and what God wants to do is fill those gaps, and then we took a couple of weeks and we talked about spiritual growth. Remember, we talked about Kentucky basketball and made it a big image of spiritual growth, and the week after that, we talked about how spiritual growth is hard because a part of us doesn't want to. We talked about the spirit and the flesh and that fight. And, and, and here's my fear as we're wrapping up this series, as we're walking away from this. Here's my fear. Not only for this series, honestly, this is a fear that I have every single Sunday. Uh, my fear is that we would hear all these sermons or even what we do here every single Sunday. And a part of us would say, you know what? Amen to all of it. 
Uh, I believe Jesus is above all things. Amen to all the songs. I love it. Uh, I, I read my Bible every single day. Amen to all, everything we've said in this series, everything we've said in the sermons. I, I love it all. I agree with it all. But I live in the real world. And in the real world, I got laundry to do. Anybody say hello or amen? Right? In the real world, I got laundry. In, in, in the real world, my kids won't stop yelling at each other. In the real world, uh, I won't stop yelling or my husband won't stop yelling at me. My wife won't stop yelling at me. In the real world, I hate my boss. Don't amen that. That might be here. Right? Uh, I, listen, I agree with everything you've said. But listen, Mark, I live in the real world. And I got stress at work, and I got stress at school, and I got stress at home. And here's what we've done a lot of times, and we're not even aware we've done it. We separated our spiritual life from our real life. And I love what Paul does at the end of this book. He's talked about these big, massive things, and then all of a sudden he just takes a sharp turn and just gets right down to the street level of our lives and gets really practical. And so what I want us to see today, if, if you don't remember anything that I say today, I just want you to remember this one idea. I want you to write this down, and I want you to never forget this, okay? I, here's the one idea that I just want to unpack this morning. It's simply this. It's that Jesus is for real life. Jesus is for real life. Not that he's for it like he's pro it, you know, he agrees with it. I mean, Jesus is useful every day. Jesus isn't just useful on Sundays and when you die. Jesus is all about your laundry, amen? Jesus is, is all about the stress at work. He's all about the stress at school. Jesus is all about your marriage or your kids or your parents. Jesus is, is for Real life. I mean, we read it a couple of weeks ago there. Colossians chapter 3 in verse 17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do you hear that? Whatever you do. So what do you do? Well, whatever it is in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So from God's vantage point, there is no spiritual life, uh, real life. There is just life with Jesus above all things. And, and so, so I want us to see that today, and, I, and, and the way we're going to see it is three things that I believe Paul brings to the surface to help us to see that, that we don't need Jesus in a corner. Here in just a few minutes, whenever the sermon's over, in about three hours, um, just checking, um, you're not dropping Jesus off like this was a date, amen, right? Jesus, I'll see you next week, mm-hmm, right? That's, no, no, this is not a date. You're not picking Jesus up and dropping him off. Jesus is for real life. And the first way Paul shows us that is he says Jesus changes our humanity. Jesus changes our humanity. Now, if you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up, turn it on to Colossians chapter 3.18. All right? Christianity existed for thousands of years without screens and projectors. Let's see how we do. You know what I'm saying? All right? So if you've got a Bible, uh, you're going to need it. If you don't have one, there's one under your chair, right? Doesn't this feel so primitive? Next thing you know, we'll just be writing drawings on the walls like we're in a cave. All right? Colossians 3. Some of you are like, what do I do? There's no screen. So Colossians 3, 18. And I'm going to read verse 18 through ch uh, chapter 4, verse 1. 3, 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Everybody okay? Everybody okay? You may need help, right? Okay, let's keep going. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, or your Bible might say slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Watch this, verse 23. Whatever you do, 
Work heartily as for the Lord, not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly. Knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now, now watch this. The, after reading that, if we haven't just read anything that at least made you go, huh, or offended you, I doubt you were listening. Okay? Right out of the gate, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What if that was all I read today and then said, all right, next week's Easter, bring a friend, and we walked off stage, right? <laughs> I don't think you'd bring a friend. Then 22 is talking about slaves. So we got to figure out what's happening here. You gotta figure out what's happening here when he says these things. And, and really, if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Because you do the same two things that I'm about to tell you every single time you read anything in the Bible that's hard to understand or confusing or controversial. You do these two things every single time. It doesn't matter what it's talking about. You're gonna do these two things every single time. So every single time you come to a verse like verse 18, because here's the world that we live in today. The world that we live in today says two things about the passage that we just read. That the Bible oppresses women and it supports slavery. I've heard both. I hear the first one about women a lot. That the Bible oppresses women. It says women are inferior to men, and the Bible teaches, uh, or endorses rather, slavery. Both of those are wrong, and if you ever hear anyone say that, what that says to me is they've never seriously engaged the Bible, all right? You need to do two things every single time you come to a, a verse, Bible, uh, passage, anything that makes you, you read it and you say, what in the world does that mean? First thing you need to ask is this question. Is this the only place in the Bible that talks this way? Right? So, verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Is that the only place in the Bible that talks that way? The answer is no. The answer is no. Paul actually talks this way again in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. You don't have time to turn there. Don't worry, you can write the reference down. Ephesians 5, 21 says this, Submit to one another as is fitting in the Lord. Do you hear that? Submit to one another. So here, wives, submit to your husbands. Do you think Paul forgot what he wrote in Ephesians? No, do you think that Paul is contradicting himself, what he wrote in Ephesians? No, no, no. So in Ephesians chapter 5, the context is, if you back up earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, the context is that God says, don't be drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The meaning is that God wants every single follower of Jesus to be filled with the Holy Spirit, like we sang earlier. God, here's my heart, I surrender more of my life to you. And, and, and the Holy Spirit fills us. Well, as the Holy Spirit fills us and takes control of us, that's gonna impact how we treat other people. Then in Ephesians chapter 5, right after he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit, he starts talking about husbands and wives. And the first thing Paul says is verse 21, submit to one another as is fitting in the Lord. The idea is, this, is simply this, husbands, put your wife's needs above your own. And wives, put your husband's needs above your own. So, so one is not the boss, one's not the Lord. It's this idea of mutual submission. Now, if I bring that in to verse 18, all of a sudden things begin to make sense. But, but number two, the second thing you need to do, first thing I said was you need to ask yourself, is this the only place in the Bible that talks this way? The second one is more important. The second one is more important and will help you 90% of the time you read something in the Bible that you don't understand. Here it is, write this down. We need to understand that the Bible was written at a certain time in a certain cultural setting to certain people. 
I'm going to say that again. The Bible was written at a certain time, meaning that this book, the book of Colossians that we're in, it was written thousands of years ago. Look at me. What that means is that the book of Colossians was not first and foremost written to us. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That, that's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. So we come later down the line. Paul, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church at Colossae. So it was written at a certain time in a certain cultural setting. So there were things that were happening in the culture that was affecting or impacting the church that led to the biblical authors writing what they wrote. So we'll talk about why they wrote what they wrote about wives and slaves and family and all that stuff in just a second. There were things happening then that made them write. So when somebody says, oh, look at what the Bible says about women. It's so oppressive. Here's what that says to me. You have no idea culturally what was happening in the moment. Does that make sense? Right? The Bible was written at a certain time and a certain cultural setting to a watch certain people. Here's something that you need to remember. It's going to be really important. Paul is not talking to the whole world. He's just talking to this church. Paul's not talking to culture at the time. He's just talking to this church. Here's why that's going to be important. A lot of people, especially when it comes to the issue of slavery, why doesn't the Bible ever say slavery is a sin? Because here's what you need to know about slavery in, in, the, in the ancient Near East, in the Greek world, in the Roman world that Paul and the biblical authors lived in. Slavery was simply a job. It, it was completely different than any idea we have. It was a job that a lot of people had. It didn't matter what skin color, economy class, or uh, political party you were a part of. It didn't matter who you were. Uh, Slavery was simply a part, of the, a part of the culture of the day. Some people say that in Rome alone, when Paul would have written this book, there would have been twenty to 30,000 slaves. It was a job. And, and so the reason that Paul and the biblical authors never have a verse like, slavery is a sin, slavery is wrong, it's because at this time, when they wrote this, listen to me, they had no cultural influence at all. Does that make sense? Like today when something happens in the world, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, they'll, a lot of times they'll get a pastor, an evangelical leader, some kind of theologian or a religious somebody, I don't know where they find them, on the news just to see what people of faith think. Here at this time, they didn't care. Christianity was new. They had no cultural influence at all. We have a little cultural influence today. Every single day, it seems like it's slipping through our fingers. But here, they literally had no cultural influence. So if he would have said, hey, here's a verse for how the world ought to, ought to start treating their wives. You know what the world would have done? Nothing. Because nobody was listening to Paul. The church was, nobody else was. Here's what the world ought to think about slavery in the Greco-Roman world, according to the Apostle Paul. You know what the world would have done? Nothing. Because nobody was listening to Paul in the world. The church was, nobody else was. And here's what you need to know. Women, in Paul's day, I'm going to touch a little bit on this next week when we talk about Easter, because women were the first people to see Jesus alive. In Paul's day, women were not even considered humans at all. They were property. Women had little to no choice, regardless of the situation or the circumstance they found themselves in. They were considered property, property of their husbands or whoever happened to own that woman in that particular, uh, in that particular setting. And she couldn't get herself out of that situation. She just had to submit, regardless of how poor her conditions were, how dangerous it was. She was a woman, and in that day, in Paul's day, women were less than human. 
In Paul's day, slavery and that sort of thing, it was just common. And so you would have had masters. He talks about there in chapter 4, verse 1. They would have treated the bond servants who lived in their house. They would have treated them poorly. A lot of them were beaten. A lot of I mean, just horrible conditions these people were in. But remember, Summit, who is Paul talking to? He's not talking to the culture. He's, start, he's talking to who? He's talking to the church. And here's what Paul is saying, because watch this. The Bible never oppresses women. The Bible lifts up and empowers women. And the Bible says things about women and slavery and every place where culture was broken at the time. The Bible says things that are so revolutionary, when the original audience would have heard it, it would have just taken their breath away. It would have just absolutely taken their breath away. Because here's what Paul is saying. Again, not to culture, but to the church. He's saying to the church at Colossae, listen, I know how the world treats women, but in the house of God, we act differently. Amen? Here in this house, Paul says, women are equal to men and they are co-laborers with God. They are made in the image of God. We treat women with honor. We treat women with respect. They're not property. They are made in the image of God. The church is different than the world, is what Paul says. I know how the world treats their slaves. I know how the world treats their employees, their bond servants. I know what the Greek world is doing. I know what the Roman world is doing. But the house of God is different. Christians treat people differently than the world. So look at what he says here. He says, wives, submit to your husbands, verse 18, as is fitting in the Lord. So that would have been a big deal, just that, that he's putting that little spin on it, that spin of motivation as is fitting in the Lord. So we're not submitting to another person, submitting to another, we're submitting to another person as is the Lord. But see, here's how different our day is from the day that Paul wrote. When you read verse 18, everybody gets mad. But when they would have read it to the church at Colossae, you know what would have made them mad? You know what was shocking to the church at Colossae? Verse 19. 19 says this. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Listen, when the church at Colossae would have heard that read, all the men in the church would have been like, who are you talking to? Say what? Because nobody told the men how to treat women. Nobody told the men what to do in Paul's day. And again, Jesus is giving us a new humanity. Jesus said, Paul rather, is saying to this church, listen, if the church just treats everybody the same as the world does, if the church treats women the same as the culture does, then it is no church because the church is the people of God and the people of God are different than the world. Amen? Jesus gives us a new way to be human. Jesus gives us a new way to be human. Jesus, he says, can impact the way husbands treat their wives. Love your wives. Don't be harsh with them. He impacts, Jesus can impact the way children treat their parents, can impact the way fathers treat their kids. Did you know that Jesus can help your marriage? Some of you are taking notes. I did not know that. Really, for real, I did not know. Jesus is for real life, Summit. Jesus can help your marriage. Jesus can help you to forgive somebody. Amen? Jesus can give you patience. Now, you might have to drop some pride and confess some sin, but I'm telling you, Jesus can impact the way you treat people. Hey, Jesus can help you at work. No amens? I didn't think so. All right? No amens? Some of y'all are like, you don't know my job. You don't know how much I hate my job. Listen, Jesus can help you at work. Modern day equivalent here for what he's talking about. You know, when he talks about bond servants and masters, employers, employees. Look at what he says, verse 23. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for who? Not for men. See, when he does that, he's talking about at least three things. He's talking about focus, 
energy and motivation. When you're on the job, Jesus can impact your focus, your energy, and your motivation. So I don't work for my boss. I don't work for this person. I do my job. Whatever I do, I do it for Jesus. You work construction, you're doing that for Jesus. Hello? You're a nurse, you're doing that for Jesus. You're a teacher, you're teaching Jesus' kids. You're a stay-at-home mom, dad, grandparent, you're raising Jesus' kids. You cut hair, you're cutting Jesus' hair. Hello? Right? You're an accountant, you're keeping Jesus' numbers. Whatever you do, don't do it for men. Don't do it for the bottom line. Do it for the Lord. You're, you're a manager, you're an owner, you're a CEO. Masters, treat your bond servants justly. Watch this, knowing you have a master. Who is that master? Jesus is that master. So what that means is this. Listen, not only if I'm a boss, manager, CEO, not only do I want, I want everything to go up this quarter, not only do I want to see the bottom line increase, it's not all about the bottom line for me as a follower of Jesus. I want to see my organization, my business flourish so that we can be a force for good and help the community flourish and serve other people. Why? Because Jesus is for real life and he impacts the way that we work. He impacts the way that we think. Jesus impacts the way that we treat people. Summit, let's bring it into right now. Let's bring it into today. If we don't treat people any differently than the world, then we are no different than the world. Amen? If we don't do relationships differently than the world, then you know what we're not? We're not different than the world. If we don't do business different than the world, we're no different than the world. You can slap church on the sign, you can slap church on the door, and we can lift our hands and sing. But if out there, Monday through Saturday, if Sunday is so disconnected from the other six days, we got to ask ourselves, are we a church or are we a club? Amen? Because Jesus is for real life. Listen, Summit, in Christ, in Christ, we are a countercultural new humanity that the world ought to look at and not see perfect people, but people who are different, and Jesus has done it. Right? Jesus gives us a new way to be human. Our marriages are different. The way we work is different. Jesus gives us a new way to be human. Also, Jesus changes our reality. Jesus changes our reality. Look at the next two verses in chapter 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. He's talking about prayer. Paul's talking about, about prayer here. And we, talked, we did a whole series on prayer in January, next level. Remember that? One of the things we said... And that series is prayer ought to be like breathing. See, he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Continue steadfastly in it. It ought to be like breathing, that, that we just live, we learn how to live in communion with God. But you know what a lot of us do when it comes to prayer? Here's what a lot of us do when it comes to prayer. We have prayer here and everything else over here. You know what I'm talking about? Here's prayer, but here's how I figure out my problems. Yeah, I know about prayer and I can talk about it, but here's what I do when people make me mad. Yeah, I know about prayer, but here's what I do when people hurt my feelings. Yeah, I know about prayer, but here's how I try to fix things at home, school, at work. Here's my real life, my prayer life rather, and here's my real life. And listen, we can talk all day long about tips and tricks and strategies to help our church pray more, to help you to pray more. And listen, I'm all for tips and, tri uh, and tricks strategies. I'm all for it. But look at the verse here, verse 2. You see that word watchful? What's this? Being watchful in it. Answer this. Watchful for who? 
the devil. See, here's my prayer life and here's my real life. What if I told you there's another world that's just as real as the world you see right now, but you can't see it? Hello? See, the Bible says there are two worlds. There's the natural, physical world that we can see, and then there's the spiritual world, the spirit realm, that's just as real as the world that we see right now, but we can't see it. And look at me right now. You might never think about the spiritual, you might never think about the spirit realm, but can I tell you, it is always thinking about you. Amen? It is always thinking about you. He says, be watchful in it. you got to watch because, listen, the devil is trying to do stuff to your kids that you can't see. Amen? The devil is trying to do stuff to your marriage that you can't see. The devil's trying to do stuff. Listen, some of y'all looking like this is crazy. Do you think we're the only people in this room right now? Man, you better check your Christianity and see if it's just a bunch of ideas or if it's real. Who's on this stage? You think I'm the only one on this stage? Come on, hello, somebody? Man, I'm glad the students are yeah, right here. Y'all feel it. All right, come on now, right? I can share tips and tricks and strategies to get you to pray all day long, but you know what will really get you praying? If you were to know everything the devil was trying to do to your kids right now, to your marriage right now, to this church right now, and to your community right now, you know what you'd do? You'd stop listening to me and you'd pray. That's what you'd do. If you knew everything that was happening in your house, because you don't know everything happening in your house. <laughs> Come on. God, know, God does. Jesus does. I tell our church all the time. There's a million things happening in our church right now. We might know two of them. We have no idea the battle that's going on in this room right now. So what's Paul's advice? You better be watchful because the devil is real. The devil is not some skinny-looking, goofy dude in a, in a jumpsuit with a pitchfork. I don't know what the devil looks like. I just know that he hates your guts. And he hates God, but he knows he can't touch God, so he's, tur he's turned everything on us and just wants to destroy your faith, just wants to distract you. You better be watchful because there's another reality that you don't know about. So what that means is I can bring this reality, I can bring this prayer life into the real life. I don't have to figure out my problems on my own. Ain't that good news? I don't have to carry all this on my own. I don't have to work this out on my own. There is another reality that wants to break into my reality. See, Jesus is for real life. He gives us a new humanity, changes everything, gives us a new humanity. And here's the last thing, number three. Jesus changes our legacy. Jesus changes our legacy. So here's Paul in prison. And Paul is telling them to pray for him. Pray. Listen, if I get out of jail or whatever, but I want you to pray for an open door. And usually... It's in verse 7 when people check out. Verse 7, every single book of the Bible has one of these. Verse 7 is when everybody says, all right, I'm done. I don't understand what's happening here. Look at chapter 4, verse 7. Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. Hey, if you're about to have a son, may I recommend the name Tychicus? It'll be great. He's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I've sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may encourage him, uh, that you may know how we are, and that you may encourage your hearts. And with him, here's another winner, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother. Look at verse 10. Here's one. Oh, this is great. Aristarchus. Hey, can I speak to Aristarchus? I think that physically hurts to say, right? Here's the point. We could go on. This is a long list of names that you and I don't know. And here's what I bet. You know, Tychicus' job was to deliver the letter, of the, uh, the letter of Colossians to this church. 
I bet when he was walking that road, because that journey would have took a couple of days. I bet when he was on that road walking, I bet he was thinking about how worthless his life was. I mean, he carries letters. Nobody knows he carries letters for the Apostle Paul. You know, Paul, Paul's up front. Tychicus is in the background. I mean, think about it. Have you ever thought about the Apostle Paul? Writes most of the New Testament, plants all these churches. You know, Paul says stuff like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. The Apostle Paul is such a stud. Right? He's just the man. You know, cape flapping in the wind, chest out, you know. I love the verse, I love the, I love the way he ends this book. Watch this. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Watch. Remember my chains. Right? He's in prison, right? Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Tychicus, Onesimus, Aristarchus, nobody knows who they are. They didn't have any Twitter followers. They weren't online influencers. Nobody knew their name. Jesus knew their name. And that's enough. Amen? Listen, it doesn't matter if you're an online influencer. It doesn't matter where you are on the org chart. It doesn't matter how many followers you have online or in the physical world. Listen, if Jesus knows your name, that is enough. And here we are thousands of years later, and we're talking about these guys that they probably thought no one would remember them. But here we are in Hazard thousands of years later talking about these guys. Some of that's legacy, that's legacy. Let me ask you a question, and we don't want to think about this, so I'm going to force us to think about something for a couple minutes that we don't want to think about. Everything we do is try to avoid thinking about what I want us to think about. But I want to ask you a question. Think about this with me. What do you, well, let me ask it this way. What legacy do you want to leave behind? Because at some point, people are going to talk about you in the past tense. Does that make sense? You understand? There's going to be a day when people are going to talk about you in the past tense. What do you want them to say? See, what Jesus does is Jesus gives us a new humanity and he changes our legacy so that we can see, you know what, as followers of Jesus, if Jesus is in our hearts, we belong to him, we will never die, we will live forever, and that frees us to not live lives of fear and to not just want to leave small things behind. Jesus frees us to live in such a way so that when we're gone, the things that we live for and the things that we leave behind, they live on even though we physically don't in this world. What do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to say about you in the past tense when this existence is over. I want to read a long quote to you, but I love this quote. It was on the screen, but you're just going to have to track with me here, and I'll put it up online later. I love this quote. It's from Henry Nowen, and he says this, Our fear of illness, death, and the future takes away our freedom. When we reach beyond our fears to the one who loves us with an everlasting love, then oppression, persecution, and even death are unable to control us. All forms of evil, illness, and death lose their final power over us. We come to the deep inner knowledge that we're, not, that we're born out of love and we will die in the love. And that nothing can separate us from this love of God. Watch this. So you can claim at any moment the deeper spirit Spiritual truth of who you are, even while everything around you suggests otherwise. 
When life challenges your core identity or others try to define you differently, you can claim your truth, claim your journey, claim your family. I am God's beloved. And it has to come right from your gut, right from the center, right from your heart. Listen to that voice, that incredible voice of love that says to you, you are my beloved and on you my favor rests. See, Jesus changes our legacy so that we can begin to live for things that will go on after us. But not if I'm separated. Not if Jesus is here and here's my real life. So think about it this way. We're done. Are there areas in your life, right now today, right now today, are there areas in your life that you have separated that you've cut off from God? Think about it this way. What are the pressure points in your life right now? It might be your job. Might be your marriage or your kids or a financial situation. Might be a, a health condition, something physically. What are the pressure points that are going on in your life right now? Here's a question that counselors ask a lot of people. Imagine that pressure point or those problems like they're a room. Where is God in that room? Where's God in that room? Is God on the outside? And you're in there trying to figure it out. You've got it and you've shut all the doors because you don't want to deal with it with God. You just shut God off from this area altogether. Is God on the outside or maybe you've let him in but he's off in a corner and every once in a while you glance at him, you know, you know that he's there but you are still trying to carry it and do it and fix it on your own. Can I say to you, Jesus doesn't want to be on the outside. Jesus doesn't want to be in the corner. Jesus wants to walk right alongside of you and help you carry that pain, help you carry that burden. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is a helper. But church, you got to ask Him for help. you got to open the door and let Him in. Because Jesus is not for Sunday. He's not just for when you die. Jesus is for right now in this moment. Jesus is for real life. And so I just want to give us a moment right here to maybe open some doors, to maybe ask for help. In fact, just with every right now, right now, just with every eye open and every head looking up. See, I said the opposite of what I say every week. Anybody need help in the room right now? Just put your hand up right now. Anybody need help? If you need help in any way, shape, or form, put your hand up. Look at that. Look at that. Almost every single person. You know what's good news today is that we have a helper. Not far off with us the whole way. But we've got to ask for help. Would you pray with me today? Jesus, right now, we just, we want to make room for you and open some doors. God, right now, we want to ask simply for help. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that right now you would, you would come. And, and Father, I pray that you would show us those pressure points. Show us those, those things that we've isolated. Maybe it's our attitude about a certain thing in our lives. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a way that we're thinking. Maybe it's a habit that somewhere along the way we've picked up. Maybe it's something that somebody said to us or something that someone has done to us, and God, we've just tried to carry it. We didn't even know we could talk to you about it. Jesus, we are opening doors today. We're opening windows today because, God, you're for real life. You want in. You don't want to be left here when the service is over. You want in. And so, church, this is what we did in the first service, and, and so many people came forward just to say, I need help. And I firmly believe that there is something powerful in 
making a physical move. It, it preaches a message to your heart. It says something to your own soul. And it, what it says is that we need help and God is the helper. And so I just want to open up this altar this morning. Right now with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I'm just going to open up this altar. And if you need help, you raise your hands. I just want to challenge you to get up out of your seat and to come up front here and pray. And maybe even people from our church, you see someone up here, they wouldn't be up here alone. You'd come and just lay a hand on their shoulder, let them know that you are with them. But Father, I pray right now that you just give us courage in this place, love in this place. We don't need to impress anybody. We don't need to put a mask on and hide today. God, if we need help, I pray that we would ask. God, I pray that if we need to come forward and just, and just beg you for help and cry out to you, God, this is a safe place to do it. And so right now, just in this moment, as we're crying out to God for help, just between, just for the Lord as a church this morning, if that's you, I just want to challenge you to get up right now. People are coming and you come right now. Don't wait and see what other people do. Don't worry. We're not thinking about how do I look or what will people say. We're beyond that. None of that matters here. All right? This is the house of God, the people of God. We don't, that's how the world thinks. We don't think that way here. If you need help, you want to pray. I want you to come up front. And Summit, I'd love for you to look up here. Maybe you see somebody up here. Maybe you can just come and pray for them. With them, you don't even know the situation. God does. You just lay a hand on them. But let's just give God space today. Let's give God time to move. If you need help, let's ask the helper right here. Let's ask the helper for help. stay in this time of prayer just with just where you are just wherever you are today how many of you would just simply say Mark there, there's a door I need to open to a situation and let Jesus in if that's you would you raise your hand so I can pray for you today several hands right here there's another one anyone else put your hand up high some right here in the front right here in the second row there's some in the back on this side thank you for that Thank you for those hands there in the back to my left. Thank you for that. God bless you. Father, I, I just pray, Father, for these doors that need to be open and that, God, that you would give us the courage to open them. God, I pray for healing and reconciliation in relationships. God, I pray for physical healing. God, for the person who is here today, maybe it's, it's not a, a diagnosis for them, but a loved one. God, I pray for healing. God, that they would know they can open up that door and let you in and meet you right there. God, I pray for, for the family who's hurting today because maybe their kids have went away, made decisions, and they just feel like in the middle of the, the prodigal son. Father, I pray that you would bring that son or that daughter home, not just to those earthly parents, but to you. Father, we open up every door today. Every window we open, even though it hurts, but we need help. And this cannot happen without Jesus Christ in your life. That's what we celebrated with the baptisms earlier. This, this is impossible to do without God. 
not just on, on Sundays. God needs to be a reality in your life. And so the question is, is He? And if He's not, if you know you don't have a relationship with God like that, it's just a Sunday thing. I believe God brought you here today because God loves you. You are loved by God regardless of where you've been, where, what you've done. You're loved today. And God brought you here to hear that. And right now, Jesus wants to begin a relationship with you. And if you need to be saved today, don't let anything get in the way of you crying out to God and asking Jesus to come into your life and save you. I want to just lead us in a prayer. If, if there's anybody in this place today that needs Jesus, you need to open up the door of your life for the first time challenge you to pray this prayer with me. I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for sin in my life. I'm opening the door to let you in right now. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for loving me and dying and coming back from the dead for me. Help me to live for you starting today.